Your goal is to create happy customers who then create other happy customers. Go! Congratulations! Here's what I've learned. The best of the best have got the following. selling, going, going. God, so congratulations. Let's have a look at the facts. Watch your goal for the next six months. So guys and girls, let's move on to the show. So just picture this, you know, I'm walking on the plane. It's Qantas. This is the airline I fly with. And um, you hand your ticket to the flight attendant and the flight attendant said, welcome back. It's so good to see you, Mr. Panos. And I just looked at him in the eye as he said that. And I thought to myself, Number one is he doesn't know me. Number two is the way he said it, he didn't even really look at me. Number three, he looked tired. And number four, it sounded, it was a script he says to everyone who is on, you know, black status or whatever your status is, at whatever the status is here at fucking Qantas, let's have a look here. Whatever your frequent fly cut, platinum status, whatever your, you know, and it's on the ticket. So what was really interesting is I thought to myself, you know, that is surface acting. Now, what is surface acting? Surface acting is saying things you don't want to say because they are part of the job. They are expected in the job. And I thought to myself, how emotionally draining must that be if he's going to have to do that three to four times a day, sitting as people walk in, welcome back, Mrs. Zeng, it's great to see you. Welcome back, uh, Mr. Smith, it's good to see you. When reality is, he doesn't care whether they got on the plane that day or not. This is very interesting because surface acting is something that happens all the time. Call centers, like think about someone on a call center. Everything there is surface acting. And is there anything else I can help you with? Thank you. Thank you for calling Optus today. So um, I thought to myself, you know, there's a saying that says, fake it till you make it. And I don't believe in that because I believe that if you're surface acting, all the time, it's emotionally draining. If you're surface acting all the time, basically you are being someone you're not. Now, don't get me wrong, today has been Greek Easter, right? And like, you can surface act, and I'm not saying I surface acted today, I didn't actually, because we didn't have a very big Easter. We only had a very small immediate family. But, you know, there are certain groups of people that you meet, you know, like long family members that you only see once or every two years, right? And you can surface act there. It's like, realistically, you hate this fucking typical fucking uncle, right? He's been a fucking jerk for the last 20 years and he's a fucking jerk every fucking one year you see him. But what actually happens is you can surface act that. But if you've got to do it in a job over and over again, it made me think, how can you actually do a job, get what's required by work and not surface act? And I think that we learn a lot from the acting profession. And what they do is there's a term called deep acting. Deep acting actually says, I'm going to actually forget about my scripts. Thank you, Tina. Happy Easter. I'm going to forget about my scripts. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to not have the company's playbook. I will have my own playbook. 
And, and I'll give you a perfect example. I was on a flight about a year ago and the flight attendant, who's also doubles up as an announcer, said something along the lines of this. Ladies and gentlemen, shortly we are going to uh, prepare for our descent. We're going to land and this is the time that you can start deciding uh, which of your two kids is more important to you. And there was just this big laughter on the plane, right? Here's a guy that has decided that what he's going to do is put the playbook aside and actually say something that's going to create humour. You know, over the next few minutes, he actually said things like, shortly we'll be coming through the cabin and we'll be collecting your rubbish. This is a time when you can start preparing any materials that you want to uh, have thrown away. Um, but please, we are not accepting mother-in-laws. And again, there was fucking laughter there. And what I'm getting at is, every day you have this golden opportunity in business where you actually can throw the, 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 the guidebook away and actually have your own playbook. And the reason I share this story with you and anyone that's watching this that has worked with me at News Corporation for 14 years know that that is the way I operated. I did not fit into that profile of that person. I would go off and I would do it the Tom Panos way. And what actually happens, it's really interesting. And that is, is that you've got to stand out to win out. And what actually happens is that you've got to start thinking to yourself this. I want the person that I'm speaking to, to actually feel that I care about them and I'm not just going through a script. So I share this with you because I believe that if you are not you at work and you are switching yourself, that you are not living your best self, that you're tiring yourself, that it's emotionally draining. Hello, Nick, how you going? I've got a, while I've, while I've got Nick there in front of me, I want to remind people, Eric has got about five or six weeks to go. So those of you that are real estate agents that are watching this, ericconference.com, book your ticket. You would have had a taste of one of the speakers there during the week, Tom Ferry. He was fucking amazing, right? Like this guy was so good. You can actually go onto my Facebook uh, uh, page and actually watch his 30-minute interview. Um, but gang, the reason I say this is very simple. I'd like you to start thinking to yourself, how do you bring yourself into it? I do it all the time, whatever I'm doing. For instance, at an auction, you know, recently, I had someone say to me, look, oh, that house, that's an absolute dump. And as we stared back at the house, I looked at it and I said, you're absolutely right. We should burn this fucker. And he just fucking broke out laughing because it's the last thing that he's going to expect an auctioneer is going to say just before he auctions a property, right? Or um, other examples. I'm going to tell you, I have to say to you, I made a decision about five years ago that I would actually speak in conferences the way I speak to my friends, the way I speak on a Sunday night rant, the way that I am all the time. And I can't get over it. 
I've got to tell you, for every one person that's got a cardigan and hush puppies that complains about me and the language I use, I have 99 people say, fuck, it's refreshing. He's real. It's not death by PowerPoint, right? So gang, all I'm going to say to you is this. What you have to do is start being you more. No one's going to beat you at you. No one's going to beat you at you. And later on, I'm actually going to, you know, give you some of the tips that you can actually, if you are into public speaking, if you do want to have a standing ovation, I'm going to give you four tips that are going to be game changers for you if you're a speaker. So, gang, I want to talk to you a little bit about a, you know, a case study of an organization called Bridgewater. Bridgewater is an investment company that manages billions of dollars of funds, a very successful company, and they have a very unique culture. And what their culture is, is this. There is no politics. People just say exactly what they're thinking. And the culture of the organization is this, that... Um, People embrace criticism. So if you've got something to say to someone, you actually say it. And what happens is that when you have critical, um, um, uh, uh, when you get criticism, but it's constructive, it improves performance. So you've got this high-powered, very successful organization because people are always improving because they actually embrace, embrace criticism. And I just think, you know, like what a world, you know, what a great world it would be if people actually just said the truth. People just said the truth. Like yesterday, I'll give you an example, only because Connie is right in front of my face here on Instagram. I was doing an auction at Earlwood and Susan was with me. And as we walked, walked uh, out to the car, um, Connie had come to look at this auction. And I said to Susan, um, Connie looks fucking hot. And I actually said that to Connie as well. Not in a sleazy way, in just a way that it came to my head. She looked good. She had a you know white, hot looking car there. And I thought to myself, just imagine what life would be like if you actually just said, you know, the thing that was in your head. Like if someone came up with something at work and it was a bad idea, even if they were your boss, you just turn around and said, that's like not a really smart idea. I wouldn't do that. Or for instance, you know, when you've got that person says, you know what, like, you know, you guys would love to catch up and have uh, have dinner with you. And you just turn around and said, well, yeah, yeah, like, I wouldn't make it a hurry because, yeah, um, yeah, let's do it like in a year's time or something. I mean, I know it sounds fucking weird, but I tell you what, it's a freaking time management technique and it'll help you allow you to spend the time doing the stuff that you like. I know I'm being extreme here. And by the way, can I just, for those of you that are watching this, can I just tell you, how do you deliver? How do you deliver criticism? How do you deliver criticism? Now listen to me very carefully. I was brought up the copybook style, which is use the shit sandwich. The shit, shit sandwich works like this. The shit sandwich works like this that what actually happens is you give people good news, you then give them the shit in the middle, and then you actually give them good news at the end. So it would be something like this. 
David, firstly, I want to just commend you on, you know, the project that you did last week um, that you did for client, you know, uh, X company was outstanding. One of the things that concerns me of late is the level of your attention to detail on some of the other work has been poor. And I just wanted to have a chat to you about it. And then you move on to finish positive where you say, okay, well, look, anyway, as I said to you, most of your work's really good. And I just think to myself, if you were able to pay more attention and detail um, to some of the other stuff, you'd be, you know, just um, one of our best employees or whatever. Guys, girls, I don't think the shit sandwich works that good because I think people know when they're about to get a shit sandwich. So they sort of fucking sit there and they preempt it, right? I think this is the way to give people constructive criticism. And that is this, listen to me carefully. What you say to them is this, I want you to understand I'm coming from a position of care. I'm coming from a position of empathy. I'm coming from a position because what I'm going to say to you is to help you be better. And I think that that contextually says to people, I'm doing this to you because I care about you. If I didn't give a fuck about you, I wouldn't even waste my time and energy because I think to myself, you're fucking dead wood. I don't like you. I want to have fucking no ties with you. So I think the way to do it is that you actually pre-frame and you let people wear. It's your intent that really matters. It's your intent that really matters. So gang... That's what actually happens at Bridgewater. I want to spend a bit of time talking about trust and like. Trust and like. Um, and the reason why is that traditional sales trainers will tell you that liking is so important in the sales process. So my view is this. My view is that you're not going to do business with someone you hate. But I'm going to say to you that liking is not a game changer. In fact, I'm going to say to you, in research, people always say they might like someone, but in business, they would rather work with someone they can count on. And the reason why is they're looking for dependability. They don't want the big, fat, nice, happy guy that's likable. They want the person that's a heavy hitter. They want a person that they know that is in their corner and has got proof points that they get shit done. And as someone that has actually worked in a commercial environment for a number of years, someone that has run a business from the age of 22, someone who now has got multiple businesses on the go, I have to say to you that there are times where I like the person but I pick the person that I trust is going to get the job done. What we want is dependability. What we want is someone that can actually get shit done, that is not going to let you down and that you're not going to be ringing up and saying, sorry to hassle you, have you done this? And this is important if you are working in a service environment. Because what we clearly know is that business is actually now won 
through a courtship that can take months, if not years. And what actually happens is that you have proof points with that person that you are reliable, that you're providing them information. And that that old saying of ABC always be closing has been replaced by ABE always be educating. And the reason I say this, sorry, we've got a light that's turned off, but you can still see me. The reason I say this is that I want you to move away from relying on just small talk and likability. And I want you to get start known as the person that gets all the shit done. It's the person that calls back when they say they're going to call. It's the person that actually um, um, has been giving them really useful information, really useful information for the six months leading up to it. So my advice to you is don't overly depend on likability. Trust and like, great combination. Gang, let me move on to number four. How to have a standing ovation on a, on, on a talk. And um, the first thing I'll say to you is that I think that um, I would have probably have, I'll tell you, 210, 2000, 2000. I think I've done close to seven and a half thousand presentations in my life. It could be more than that. They're numbers, working numbers I do a year by the years I've been doing them. I'm taking some off for the earlier years. So um, I've had a lot of practice. And um, I know a lot of people love being speakers. I know a lot of people want to do more speaking. So great news. Thank you, Jay Peters, Sydney FC as uh, three, three nil. That's fantastic. So let me just run through a couple of the things. The first thing is, the first secret to getting a standing ovation is to actually try not to get a standing ovation. Listen to me. Because if your goal is to try and get a standing ovation, you are not in it for the people that are watching your talk. You're in it for yourself. So you come from an intent where your goal is I want a standing ovation. So don't want a standing ovation. The second thing is, you've got to make them laugh. And if you can make them laugh at the start, they say, I'm going with this guy. I like it. It's like they get on a train with you. The next thing is this, don't use death by PowerPoint, but in fact, use stories to explain the concepts you want explained to the audience. The next thing is this, don't name drop, don't name drop, don't turn around and say, you know, you know, this person and this person. I fucking hate people that fucking name drop, right? Because what they're doing automatically is trying to up their level by associating with someone famous. Hey, people can see what you're doing when you do that. You don't name drop. In fact, what I would say, you, you know what you should do? Put yourself down. People love that. Put yourself down. Because when you put yourself down, you show vulnerability. What you're actually showing to people is that you are connected to them, right? Very important. The next thing is this. You must, 
understand that you are there not to present what you want. You are there to solve a problem that keeps people up at night. That's what you're there for. So what you've got to do is stop presenting and start solving problems. The other thing I was going to say is um, don't show photos of your kid and your wife saying that they're the driving force of your talk. And the reason I say that is that does that say to the people that are in the audience that the reason why you're not up here is that your children and your spouse don't drive you enough? It's actually insulting to people. So there's no need to actually say, as you can see, this is it. We all love our kids. We don't need to put them on a fucking PowerPoint. The next thing is that I would say is that, um, look, all I'm saying is that the thing with PowerPoint is if you do have PowerPoint slides, don't read the comments that are on the PowerPoint slide. Because again, what you're doing is you're insulting the reader of the PowerPoint, who is the audience member, and you're saying, you're so dumb that I'm actually going to repeat what's actually written on the PowerPoint. I have to say, my best presentations are the ones that I don't move off the first slide where it's just got the title of the talk. And all I do is I go in and I have a combination of good jokes, vulnerabilities, stories, case studies, make people feel good and solve a problem. They're my best talks. My shittest talks are the ones that I over-prepare, that I actually sit there and I have rehearse the talk to the minute. I think that sometimes the script throw it out the window. People don't want a script. They want a human being. Gang, we're up to the last of our points on this Sunday night rant. And I want to apologize for the tech difficulty on Facebook. It's not my fault. Blame Telstra. I was using 4G. I wasn't even using Wi-Fi. Um, spotting a dickhead, spotting a dickhead. So just my bullet points in spotting a dickhead. Let me run through them. Number one, we talked about it, they name drop. Number two, um, they give you very early in the first 30 seconds an indication that they feel that they've got lots of money, lots of status, um, a powerful job, um, they mention early in the conversation that um, um, they have gone to exotic places, restaurants that have got a good brand name, um, and they'll use humor to put other people down. They are the signs to me of an absolute dickhead. Right, as Michael Tringali says, they double park. Michael's very upset because I went to have a look at an open for inspection about a week ago and he um, um, got upset that I double parked 
by, he said, you Porsche driver, I double parked outside of his car because I knew he wouldn't be moving his car because he was doing the open for inspection. And I must say he did sell the house. It's a house behind my street. He sold it for $3,750,000. So gang, they're the, they're the signs of a dickhead. But to me, the biggest signs of a dickhead are people that change their personality based on the status of the person they're speaking to. That really pisses me off. I've said it before, you always treat the CEO and the waiter the same. You do not change because that says to me that what you are is an absolute fucking dickhead that gets, uh, makes their decisions based on people's influence. I think the most attractive people that I meet on the planet are people that, you know what? They're not perfect. They're not fake. They're a bit quirky. Sometimes they say a stupid joke. That's a sign of vulnerability. It's not even that funny, but they're prepared to say it. They're prepared to say what they're thinking. And um, they don't agree on everything. Um, so as David Smith says, I think that take the mask off. Because the minute you take the mask off, the other person takes the mask off. Two people take a mask off. What happens next? You got two humans speaking. When you have two humans speaking without a mask, you have vulnerability. You have trust. And that's why I sometimes say to people, I'll give you all the scripts and dialogues. But if your intent is bad, if you're a dickhead, you are simply a dickhead with scripts and dialogues. Guys and girls, on that point, I'm going to let you know that I'm just about to record a podcast for my real estate gym members called How to Rejuvenate a Bad Listing, because there's a lot of those around at the moment. Because to me, a listing is either a liability or an asset, and I'm about to record it. Gym members will get that podcast. In addition to that, you'll be getting a video and you'll be getting a live. You're getting, as you can see, I've upped the ante on content in recent times. And the reason why is I am going super hard. And I want to let you know, listen to me, guys and girls, if anyone knows a videographer that wants to basically come on board to the real estate gym and work with me and also shoot content on real estate that will actually be sitting in the Telegraph, the Courier Mail, the Herald Sun, the Adelaide Advertiser, big news corp assets, and they're gonna spend a lot of time with me. They're gonna be remunerated fairly well they're going to work in an infrastructure with a, a video company, but they're going to be with me shooting great content. If you know a good videographer, that's also a good editor that you think is going to link with me and I'm going to have a good relationship and they're highly skilled to send an email to info at tompanos.com.au because we 
are about to take the real estate gym to a level where we're going to be following real estate agents to business meetings and showing backstage views of everything. We're actually drilling down. We're going to produce content that has never been produced in the world for the real estate gym members. You'll be seeing that coming through soon. And I want to let you know also that real estate gym members, your journal, we made a decision. You'll be getting your success journal, which will be a 12 month journal going from July 1 to the end of June. It'll be going out to you or you'll be able to pick it out, pick it up at ARIC. But it is a July to June written success journal. Why? Because what gets scheduled gets done and what you measure, you manage. And I want to let you know, guys and girls, on that point, never forget, be you, but don't just be you, be your best you. Thanks for tuning in, guys and girls. You can join me on Facebook for the live Sunday Night Rant every week at 8.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. And if you're in real estate, just Google Tom Panos and you'll find a heap of resources and interviews where million-dollar agents share their strategies. See you next week. Let's have a look at the facts. What's your goal for the next six months?